Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 14th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing good, Cameron. I spent the week in Florida just uh, relaxing, trying to just forget the, the woes of, of normal everyday life, you know, work and any, you know, sports things that might be haunting my memory or anything like that. But it's, it's been a great week, so happy, happy to be back in the studio. Yeah, I'm glad you get to come straight from vacation to talk about lovely sporting events that yeah. happened. Like literally, like I came here straight from the airport, so I'm just, I'm ready to go. Well, we are happy to have you. Uh, we've got a long uh, evening of recording because we're recording this episode like usual, and then we're going to put out a special basketball preview episode because we've been neglecting basketball and it is here so we'll get that out early next week so be looking for that but first we got to jump into the news um first we'll just start off with the what i am calling the drew smith saga because there's been a lot of back and forth multiple uh episodes to this yeah so but it looks like he's uh, not going to play. Yeah, it, it doesn't look good at this point. And let's let's like kind of start from the beginning. So first of all, we learned about Mark Smith being well, we, eligible to play. We knew that Missouri was seeking waivers for okay. both of them. Yeah. And we pretty much just assumed that Drew Smith was going to be... The we way, thought he had the better case. And the way things were going with all these people getting waivers accepted, it just seemed like it was a foregone conclusion that Drew was going to be playing this year because he had a coaching change and... Mm-hmm. Other players didn't need really anything in order to be declared eligible. So him right. having a coaching change meant it's probably a sure thing. And the people that were becoming immediately eligible, we were finding that it was uh, because of the cooperation of their former universities. So right. uh, like Blake Harris, for example, transfers from Mizzou mid-year last year, but he's already going to be immediately eligible to play NC State. And we find out it's because... Uh, Jim Sterk and Conza Martin are cooperative with NC State and said, yeah, we'll do everything we can to help him. Right. So um, that's what Illinois did with Mark Smith, who is now going to be eligible for Mizzou this year, which is great news. Yeah. Uh, and, and good for Illinois. I think it's uh, I think it's a good look for them. And it, it's something they can, you know, kind of hang their hat on and, and tell recruits like, you know, hey, things happen in life and uh, we'll, we'll be able to support you on your on your journey no matter where you end up. So I think it would have been more impactful for Illinois if they had done the other if they had gone the other way. I think the negative side right. of it would have been more impactful with right. players maybe not wanting to choose Illinois if they're not going to work mm-hmm. with them if something goes bad. Yeah. So uh, I, I was definitely a little bit surprised to see Mark Smith uh, playing this year. But back to Drew Smith, uh, we find out that he his waiver was denied and. Um, kind of this past week, we've gotten more details on on who's making these decisions, and uh, Twitter has just been set ablaze by uh, everybody, you know, just cr- calling out this dude for... Yeah, basically calling out the um, Evansville Athletic Department and coaches, just a lot of Mizzou fan accounts tweeting at them, Free Drew, and yeah. telling them that they're bad people, basically, for not allowing him to play and then there was an article um i think in the st louis post dispatch basically detailing that the ball was in evans evansville's court and they were not going to cooperate mm-hmm. yeah i think the article was by uh, ben Fredrickson. is yeah. that his last name yeah i would definitely recommend you if to, to check that or check out that article i'm sure at this point everybody's probably had a chance to read that article but 
uh, it's a really good read, and, it, and Ben pointed out a lot of good points why yeah, he it's didn't just pull ridiculous. Any no, he definitely didn't, and he's kind of known for that, I think. And um, it, it's it's a perfect example of of just this hypocrisy that we've seen with the NCAA and um, and Evansville, you know, wanting to get a, a, a fresh start with their with a coaching change last year. So if they're allowed to get a co- you know a fresh start, and then why isn't Drew Smith, who was clearly yeah. just you know trying to find another landing spot because his coach is gone now yeah. that he that he committed to originally so and, and it, it, for whatever reason he's doing what he thinks is best for him mm-hmm. and that's what the university is going to do what they think is best for them so if everybody allows each other to do that then there shouldn't be any problems right so yeah it just it just seems very it's uh, Evansville AD just standing by NCAA's archaic rules and um, you know just saying, well, yeah. we've got transfers coming in that that we we are expecting them to to sit out, sit out a year, so I guess that means that we should, even though we have a direct impact on whether Drew can play or not, we're we're still gonna stick it to him. Right. So that was the most recent thing is the athletic director actually put out a statement, and I don't know if that statement if he put it out directly to the media or if it got leaked to the media or what, but. Um, in a, basically, they came out and said that, yes, Missouri reached out to them for cooperation with this waiver, but they, in order for him to be eligible, Evansville basically had to admit that they basically ran him off the team, that they told him that he wasn't, there wasn't a spot for him. And they're basically saying, we're not going to admit to that because that's not something that happened. We offered him a scholarship back. We wanted to have him back and he chose to go somewhere else. So... I don't think nobody thinks that Illinois ran off Mark Smith. Nobody thinks that Missouri ran off Blake Harris. Even if that actually did happen, nobody thinks that. Nobody was going to think that Evansville ran off Drew Smith. Everybody knows that he left to have a better opportunity for himself amid a coaching change. Evansville knows that as well, so they're kind of salty about it. Right. But they're not going to say that they did anything to cause him to leave. Right. And I. I they're not doing anything that's breaking rules or anything. Right. I mean, they're perfectly in line with rules, but it's just not a great look for, for their athletic department. And I thought it was an interesting line that they put in that statement about, you know, Drew being compliant with the coaching change. He, he was, you know, showing, you know, support for who they hired and who is the current Evansville coach. And are you buying that? <laughs> it's, it's weird. Yeah. I mean... I think because he he left just to, I mean, he said that he was going to transfer just a few days after that coaching change was was officially right. announced. Right, and then they had another graduate transfer leave, Ryan Taylor, who's going to be at Northwestern this year. So definitely, I mean, if Drew's kind of looking around and seeing the coach that recruited him leave, the the best best or second best player on the team along with him leave. He's right. going to try to find a spot for himself. He's seen his teammate go to a, a Power Five program, and yeah. thinking I can probably do the same. Yeah, and who knows? I mean. If if he had kind of, I'm not sure how all those back channels work exactly, but if it was known that he was looking for a landing spot, he would have had suitors lining up immediately. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where technically Evansville's not doing anything wrong, but why would you want to go along with these dumb NCAA rules when the NCAA is, NCAA is basically saying, Okay, we don't really care anymore. Just, yeah, I mean, say he was run off or something. Just whatever. We don't care. That seems to be what they're doing. And most teams are like, yeah, sure, we ran him off. Let him play. Like, I feel like 
I don't know. It's technically you're lying because if, if you didn't run him off, but you're doing what's best for the student athlete. Exactly. So, yeah. So, you know, typical NCAA making millions and upon millions of money off of the student athlete. And then, uh, you know, still yeah. they're the ones that are penalized for, for things like this. But, uh, but it actually looks like for once the NCAA is being, you know, the rational party here and just saying, you know what, you know, we're just going to, well, the NCAA could still just grant the waiver. It, yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess they could, I guess they could jump in, but like we stated earlier, I mean, Evansville typically, technically isn't doing anything against the rules. So right. NCAA isn't going to jump in and go against their own rules, but they could just say, Hey, from now on, guys can play. They could make a new rule. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an interesting situation to monitor and i guess it hasn't been official that drew smith is is gonna be out this year but i take I, big, I th- after that i think it would that take statement a, coming out it would i don't they were pretty yeah. much doubling down yeah, on, they definitely were yeah. so at this point i i mean it's not the worst thing in the world drew gets a, a year of uh development when a uh, year to get familiar with missouri staff and and all that kind of stuff so uh, we'll have him for, for 19 to 20. Forward to, yeah, for sure. something to look forward to. It's not the end of the world. Maybe it'll get Jonte to stay and play another year. <laughs> oh, man, don't even get me started on I'm that. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, props to uh, the Mizzou fan base, though, who, I mean, you guys really... They, they, prompt, like, they, they are the reason that statement came out. No, you're exactly right. It, we, everybody showed outrage, of, and rightfully so, and everybody kind of just pestered them basically yeah, just <laughs> got together and it's like hey we're not gonna let this bs stand yeah. so we're, we're gonna do something about this so props to you guys who uh who uh, helped in that cause yeah that was pretty cool to see um another piece of basketball news um just a quick note malik hall announced that he is committing to michigan state so that's another guy that mizzou was looking at we talked about him several times here on the podcast but he's joining another mizzou recruit um or potential our former recruit Rocket Watts at Michigan State, so they're putting together a pretty Scary nice combo class. There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, two guys that will most likely play a couple years in college and get really good before they go pro potentially. So, and last bit of news that I have, kind of a slow news week. Emmanuel Hall is back on the depth chart for Mizzou football. Yeah, that's huge news. Um, I know that. At one point, we were talking about maybe even potentially redshirting Emmanuel Hall if he wasn't going to be able to play anymore. Um, definitely for this year, that's not ideal. Right. Because um, we've seen how inept this offense can be without him and how good it can be yeah. uh, with him stretching the field. So, And obviously, Drew Locke loves going to Emmanuel Hall So that we saw early in the year. So if Emmanuel Hall plays one more second of any game, though, he... His redshirt is off the table. Is is off the table though. Mm-hmm. So, I think we'll see him back probably seventy to eighty percent this week. But even a seventy to eighty percent Emmanuel Hall can make a difference um, in a game that could end up being kind of def- of a uh, defensive struggle again. So yeah. we have, take any help we can get. Definitely. Well, that's all the news I have. So I'll, I don't know if you're ready for this, but we need to recap this Kentucky game. Got to do it. Um, Producer Cameron, you're in for a treat because having not watched this game, you get to uh, see how it unfolded and just uh, strap in. Ready for the rage. Okay, so it'll, it'll come. Um, at the beginning, nothing crazy happened. Um, Kentucky kicked a field goal to start things off. It was 3 0 Kentucky. Um, Missouri's first possession ended in a Tucker McCann field goal being blocked. 
And that was right after a would-be Cam Scott touchdown was called back because of a block in the back on a receiver downfield. Yeah, that was, well, for one, really exciting to see. I mean, Cam Scott looked incredibly athletic on that play. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we've seen basically two catches and two touchdowns from, from Cam Scott so far this year. Obviously, he didn't. this one didn't count. But, yeah, made uh, a great move on the defender. Yeah, he did, and, uh, and that, that block was, was sprung by Alex uh, Afadale, who yeah. was, you know, called for the, the penalty. And that, we I knew that hurt at the time, but, man, that, that really came back to haunt us later. Yeah, and this, the field goal getting blocked, I mean, it just kind of brought back to mind just the absolute ineptness of the special teams this year for Missouri. And I I texted you at the time and I just said, I can't believe how much of a liability the special teams has been this year. Yeah, I mean, blocked punts, blocked field goals, uh, just no return game. No return game. Yeah, it's special teams has, has definitely been probably maybe our worst unit all year, For and sure. that's saying a lot considering yeah. considering how bad our secondary has been at times. But yeah, uh, yeah it, it's interesting to think about um, considering Andy a- Andy Hill has been you know coaching at Mizzou for a long time he's coached wide receivers and special teams quarterbacks he's kind of been everywhere and you'd think that at this point he'd know what he's doing coaching would, special yeah, teams you wouldn't expect his unit to be falling behind the rest of the, of the team and being right a liability and uh, Barry Odom made kind of an interesting quote uh I can't remember if it was right after this game ended or if it was sometime this week uh but he he made a, a interesting quote about poor special teams play in this game and he cited yeah it, it was poor coaching and mm-hmm. that kind of I don't know if that was kind of a knock directly on Andy Hill or if that was just him talking about the coaching staff as a whole I'm not really sure but there's one person coaching special teams and right and uh, that's Hill so uh kind of an inter- interesting comment there I don't know if I'm overthinking that or not well Regardless, the special teams has not been good, and it was just kind of a disappointing start to the game when Missouri was moving the ball early, and as we'll see later, needed every point possible. Um, Missouri's defense, though, won't take us very long to start talking about them because on the very next possession, Benny Snell um, and the Kentucky offense went for it on fourth and one and were absolutely stuffed. Yeah. And... As we'll see, this was a theme throughout the game, and it was fantastic to watch. Yeah, it was. And this was the matchup that we talked about so much last week and we were excited about coming into this game was Kentucky's got a great run de- uh, great run game, and Mizzou's got a, a really solid run defense. And so one of these is going to give. Yeah. And uh, It wasn't the defense. Um, no, I really think Mizzou's defense, even throughout the whole game, stayed strong and i'm not sure that we can fault mizzou's run defense especially for anything in this game absolutely not um the offense was clicking early though um missouri after that stuff on fourth and one the offense got the ball and they uh went 73 yards and 10 plays for a touchdown um that had a really nice completion to jonathan johnson for 30 yards uh 20 yard run by crockett and then it ended with a two yard crockett touchdown run so it was seven to three missouri and that was, I mean, I'll just kind of, I'll run through these next couple of possessions here because that's pretty much all there was for the rest of the half. Um, they traded punts, and then the defense again shut down Snell on fourth and one. And then um, because of that, Missouri's offense had great field position, and they were able to go sort of half the field. And um, they went for it on fourth and one, got the defense to jump off sides, and then that ended in a Larry Roundtree one yard touchdown run so it was 14-3 Mizzou yeah and that, that was um 
I thought a uh, a good coaching move. Um, we haven't seen a lot of those this year, but I I thought that was a, a worry, nice. They, they make up for it. A nice aggressive call um, to to bring the offense out on fourth and one, even though you were in easy chip shot field goal range. Um, so, and I, I think I even tweeted this to like at the time, but I thought that Mizzou probably came out maybe not even yep. attempting to run a play uh, and just try to get them to jump off. And then obviously they would have first and goal if they did. And if they jun- if they didn't jump off, then they would just take the delay of game and still kick an easy field goal. Right. But they did get them to jump, uh, which was which was awesome. And I think I heard sometime this week Barry Odom on TJ Moe's podcast, uh, TJ asked him, did you have a play called uh, for that fourth and one play? And Barry Odom said he did. Uh, so I'm not sure if if, he, if that was if that's absolutely true or not, but I thought that was a good decision to to bring out the offense there and not just settle for the field goal. And it uh, at yeah. the time it was it was a, a good decision, but yes, definitely. And yeah, I mean we kind of glossed over the other fourth and one stop, and um, it happens one more time later in the game. We're kind of jumping around, but just the defense looked so good at bottling up Snell, and part of it was you knew what was going to happen, but. Right. The, Kentucky's whole season so far, you've known what was going to happen in that spot, and they get it. Exactly. That's I've kind of wondered about that um, because they've been so one-dimensional all year. I'm like, well, how are they just running over these teams? But uh, that's how good Snell is, and yeah. that's how good Mizzou's defense was in this game to be able to limit him so much. And he uh, later on in the game, uh, again, we're kind of skipping around, but he uh, he got stopped on like a fourth down and mm-hmm. and like got a penalty for like unsportsmanlike conduct or something and was out of the game for a lot of the third yeah. quarter because he i think he was just that frustrated the defense with how was poor. Getting, getting to him for sure right um so it was halftime and strangely enough they didn't play a second half um missouri won the game 14 to 3 the sec decided not to finish the game and uh everything was great man i, I should have known better i mean I, w- I was pretty happy at halftime i was like <laughs> man this is going great we're beating the top 12 team 14 to 3 we're keeping them from doing everything they want to do they've you know it just every every unit looks great right now the fan base is going to be so excited i know like, this is like the transfers on campus exactly kelly bryant's on, on on campus just like everything is great right now and barry odom's like on, well on his way to get that first ranked win tj and... mo is going to be able to rub it in so many people's faces <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> but none of that happened no they actually uh, unfortunately did play the second half and um at the beginning well to start the second half the two teams combined for nine consecutive punts um, then that was stopped. That streak was stopped by Kentucky uh, going for it on fourth and short and getting stuffed again. Um, then Missouri's sixth punt of the second half was returned 67 yards for a touchdown, um, but they failed the two-point conversion attempt, so then it was 14-9 to Mizzou. And I don't think I've ever seen two teams combined for nine consecutive punts before no it, it was really not a very exciting half uh even if mizzou wins this game it's not it was not exciting football uh i was okay with it because we were still you know had a two touchdown lead and uh i did think that it, i kind of wondered later on in the game i kind of wondered is is mizzou just playing to not lose uh but i i will say they went for the kind of that trick play at mm-hmm. one point it didn't work um, at least so early on in the third quarter, it looked like they were still playing aggressively, trying to uh, keep scoring, but they just weren't successful. Yeah, there weren't any, up to this point, there weren't any play calls where I was like, 
what are you doing? Like, right. why aren't you trying to go win right. this game? At this it, point, nothing glaringly bad was happening. It was just like at this point, it was just they Kentucky just playing great defense, yeah. right? And the offense just could not do anything. Mm-hmm. But that uh, punt return for the touchdown was troublesome. Um, and how, what was it, like five minutes left or so in yeah, the game when that happened? Not a lot left. Yeah, that I, that was like kind of knocked me out of my sleep. Like, oh wow, this game like is not over at right. all. And you just and giving I was, away. It was free one points. of those things where it's like, of course, this is how they're going to get back in it. Yes, the defense, it's not going to be because the special defense, teams again. Yes, exactly. It's not because the defense broke down. It's not. It wasn't even a, a turnover. It was the special teams just being just losing a guy, just kind of falling asleep and yep. kicking it right to him. But I mean, I don't know when you're punting that many times in one half yeah. i mean fatoni had been playing great yeah he, he had some uh some booming punts if you will <laughs> so um missouri went three and out yet again and at that point i was thinking they're they're gonna find a way to lose this because the defense can't the defense isn't gonna hold this team to, to three points i mean the defense had only given up three points and that's unrealistic to expect. So, well, at some point, AC gets an interception. Did you did you already pass that point? No, that's okay, a, that's okay, gotcha. Next, yeah. I, when I was thinking that Missouri's probably going to lose because the defense can't hold them forever, okay. that's when AC got the interception. Yes. and I was like, Thank wow, goodness. Like, it like finally happened where we made a stop and like we're going to close out the game and like it's like we finally did it. Yeah, like we we faced adversity. And we're, we bend it, we don't break. We're going to overcome that spe- these bad special teams mm-hmm. plays. Yeah, the defense there, is going to step there up. There was a bad play that we recovered from. Yep. Um, AC, and and we don't know how things would have gone without this call during the interception, but he returned it into Kentucky territory, and that was all called back because of a pretty weak block in the back call. The block probably wasn't even necessary to, for him to get some return yards because it was against a, it was you're blocking a wide receiver who probably wasn't going to make a yeah. <laughs> very good tackle in, in the open field stop, so stop blocking people just yeah. don't, don't touch anyone please <laughs> so i still felt awesome about this interception and yeah. there was about two and a half minutes left in the game and you we got get one first down it's over and yeah K- kentucky started using their timeouts um crockett ran the ball on first down for four yards he ran the ball on second down for four yards Kentucky used two timeouts. They had one left. And uh, producer Cameron, do you know, um, have you ever seen Drew Locke on a designed rollout intending to pass the ball to Jonathan Johnson, particularly in a big spot in the Missouri game? I'll give you a hint. They did it on fourth down against Memphis and actually converted it. Yeah. And Jonathan Johnson made, like, a spectacular catch just to, like, convert it. And we talked about even though that play worked, we hated it. And everybody around us grumbled. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now I definitely know. Well, on third and two with a minute 41 left in the game in Kentucky down to their final timeout, Drew Locke rolled out and tried to find Jonathan Johnson through an incomplete pass, forcing a punt and letting Kentucky keep their last timeout for mm-hmm. their Stop, upcoming stopping drive. Stopping the clock, keeping them from calling a timeout. Jonathan Johnson apparently runs a wrong route. Uh, Drew had the option to run, but apparently didn't and kind of froze up. Uh, and so everything goes wrong. And it's a terrible play call, even if it, even if it goes right. Yep. I think it's a terrible play call. Yeah. 
but it didn't go right. And so now it's a god-awful play call, and it may <laughs> de- decide Barry Odom's future. And now Missouri has now gone three and out on all eight possessions that they had in the second half. I'd, I've never seen that before. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a team not get a first down in a half of football. No, unless it was like Delaware State yeah. against Missouri like two years ago. Yeah, in a conference game. Right. Like, oh my. So. So at this point. Missouri still has the lead. Missouri's still winning. <laughs> and I mean, all they have to do still is just stop Kentucky one more time, yeah. you know, and just keep them from driving like 70 just, yards yeah, down the field. It needed to be. And they had to score a touchdown. Yeah, and it needed to be. They had to drive 81 yards. In a minute twenty-four, with one timeout, with a ter- well, I wouldn't say terrible, with a uh, a quarterback who has really struggled this year. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was thinking, well, probably the clock's going to run out. I mean, I don't think they can. Surely Missouri will not let them run or get eighty yards down the field in a minute and a half with only one timeout. Mm-hmm. But um, Missouri couldn't stop them. They actually sacked the quarterback twice, but. Around those two sacks, Kentucky completed passes of 12, 16, 27, 13, and finally 17 yards. And I thought it was interesting that uh, there was a wide receiver. I don't remember his name off the top of my head for Kentucky. Uh, he catches two consecutive passes for a total of like 40-something yards on that drive. He, he's a senior. He's had seven career catches, including those two, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Well, maybe not. Anyways, he has seven career catches, I think, coming into the game. Uh, and he, you know, ends up making these incredibly cut clutch plays. Uh, then another play I've seen analyzed just so much on Twitter is the play where Kentucky has nine seconds left in the game, and I think they are on. They've got. They still have thirty, thirty-five yards to go, mm-hmm. maybe more. And Mizzou puts like six or seven guys in the box, and then three guys or you know whoever's left is like standing on the goal line so there's like 30 or 40 yards where there's literally not a mizzou defender yeah i think it was a little bit less yards than that probably um yeah so missouri lined up i think i saw tweeted five guys on the the end zone the goal line Uh, yeah the rest of the players on the defense i think there was two linebackers that blitzed yes leaving four wide receivers outside with nobody around them and no defenders for whatever it was, 20-something yards to the end zone. Mm-hmm. So they With plenty of time to get out of bounds and stop the clock for another play. Right. So they literally just gave up. I think it was like a 23-yard pass. That was actually the last one was the 17-yarder. Okay, 17-yard yeah. pass. Yeah, I'm all over the place right now. <laughs> so they, they, they give up this huge pass where the guy just is wide open so there's not it's not a contested catch at all no. it's not a contested a, throw and he gets out the of bounds and then he just runs for 17 yards yes and just trots out of bounds yes to so stop the clock. they took like you know just a few seconds off the clock and they just give up you know easy 20 yards or whatever it was so and stop the clock before the play's even called before the ball is snapped i should say you can tell they can throw it to the sideline with no problem and there's no chance that they'll tackle him in bounds. Mm-hmm. He's going to be able to get out of bounds, even if it only makes it five yards. But, right. But he made it 17 yards and then set up a, a play at the goal line, basically. Yeah. So by looking at that strategy, we know that Barry Odom or whoever called the defensive play on that, on that particular play uh, just assumed that Kentucky's going to take two shots at the end zone here from like 30 yards out or whatever it was. Just 
terrible logic which there. is really terrible logic and and maybe they were but when they see see this terrible mizzou defense lined up they're like, they oh, say wow, that we've... they can get 15 free yards yeah and it of course um, they're not going to take a shot of the end zone yeah i mean the chances if you look at like percentage wise the chances of completing a touchdown pass from about the 20 yard line as opposed to from about the six yard line or whatever the exact yardages were there completing it from inside the 10 yard line is a much higher probability than around the 25 yard line yeah so if you want to if you want to blame barry odom on this loss which you definitely probably could and and should it's probably on this play alone it's the third and two call on missouri's possession a couple possessions before that and it's this play where they just gave up 20 free yards and yeah. allowed them to get out of bounds. Those are the two biggest blunders of this entire game. And uh, and if either one of them is done differently, even if you run the ball on that third and two and get stopped short, the clock Kentucky still uses a timeout, their last one, and this game's potentially totally different. Right. Um, if you play a normal defensive alignment. Exactly. I, I'm not a football coach. I'm not a, I'm, I, don't, I don't know anything about defenses. But why not just keep playing even even just a little bit of a similar defense to what we've been playing that's been remarkable all game? Yeah. Let's give it up three points all game. And and maybe you do give up that 17-yard pass play, but the chances, if you're in a normal... They were completing all these passes that we've talked about over the middle this whole drive, so they were burning clock. Yeah. And that's by design. If Missouri's going to let them... If they're going to complete passes on this drive, it's going to be... Missouri's going to make sure it's in the middle of the field and not mm-hmm. on the sidelines. Right. So do that one more time, and the clock's basically yeah. running out on them. I make mean, this quarterback beat you. Yeah. And they just they made it so easy for him. So um, if you're wondering where this went from here, um, Kentucky actually on their uh, goal-to-go possession um, threw a fade pass to a basketball player from Iowa. <laughs> and uh, actually, like he one, really was one more thing to mention about that uh play call i saw somebody tweet that they asked barry odom specifically about that defensive alignment on that play yeah and he said exactly that that they didn't want to give them two opportunities at the end zone which a doesn't make sense and b he said that they would do it again and i'm like what oh, yeah you're digging your own grave buddy don't say like, that yeah please don't Please don't say that you would make a horrible decision again. Yeah. Even at, after it after proved to be terrible. how it went. Right. But just by putting guys on the goal line, that doesn't prevent them from taking a shot to the end zone. Right. And just because you put five or six in the box doesn't mean that you can't just throw it to the wide open four receivers. Yeah. Like, it's just... So, yeah, that justification un- didn't make unbelievable, very, very much really. sense. I was reading that secondhand through a tweet, so maybe something got lost in translation, but... If that's the gist of what he said, then it's not a great look. No. But yeah, this player that uh, Missouri or that Kentucky trotted out to attempt this fade pass for the win uh, literally was a transfer from Iowa who played basketball. So and didn't he have like zero catches this he year? He still has zero catches as a Kentucky football player. So um, unfortunately, it was Demarcus Acey mm-hmm. that was called for pass interference and. I've I've watched the replay probably 75 times and honestly when I watched it in real real time and just kind of happened to see DeMarcus AC a little bit I definitely thought 
that's that's defensive pass interference. I yeah, was like, I was not surprised when they threw the flag. Right. I was Live. like, it, there was so much contact. It looked like a- AC was all over him, and yeah. I was like, well, that we're gonna get pi. When I see the replay, you can definitely see that. First of all, this guy looks like he's going up for a rebound, and you know he he looks like a basketball player who's completely like inept him out. Yeah. at making like a, a going up and getting the ball. He initiates the contact. Yes, he's on top of him. His elbows are like on top of his yeah, helmet. Pushes his helmet down. Yeah, he's got his hands all over his helmet. The pass is out of bounds anyway. He actually it, catches he the ball, but the comes, ball. Out, comes down out of bounds. Right. So um, I've seen a couple of takes that for one, obviously it's it's uh, it's offensive pass interference first of all yeah and second of all that i'm not sure that ball was was catchable in bounds, in bounds. i don't know how that rule works exactly like right i don't know so I, I, this i i've just been so upset like yeah. about that call <laughs> and then when this was the moment when i knew it was over when that play happened they have an untimed down for on the two-yard line I knew we lost. Yeah. Like I, I could have bet my life that they this were gonna game. Score a touchdown round like I have play. been a Mizzou fan long enough to know <laughs> this game is over. And sure enough, yeah. Uh, Producer Cameron, you're looking at the replay there of that uh, pass interference call. Your thoughts? Holy crap! <laughs> so I actually showed uh, my wife Emily the replay. She's not real big into sports at all, but <laughs> I kind of explained to her like how pass interference work. I was trying to be as unbiased as possible. And she is going to be completely unbiased because she doesn't really care. Yeah. And I said, okay, so basically your options are offensive pass interference, no call, which is can happen. That's that happens. Which or probably should have been what happened. Defensive pass interference. And she said, well, I think if I had to choose, it would probably be no call, and then offensive pass interference. And then she literally said, and third, well. It wasn't defensive interference. <laughs> so yeah. she wouldn't even give that as an option. Yeah. Which I think if you're an unbiased person looking at the replay, that's the logical conclusion. Sure. I think so too. And uh, producer Cameron agrees. He's nodding. Yeah. That's I really ridiculous. think that like these officials should be like accountable for these terrible calls. And I understand like it's a lot more difficult being a ref than maybe I understand. And it's probably, it's probably really stressful. And I am, I'm, I'm sure that these guys are genuinely trying their absolute hardest to make the, the most unbiased and correct call. Yeah. But they, I mean, they've got to realize that they made a terrible call and this could literally decide the future of, of a coach. And yeah. <laughs> like they pretty much, and Missouri should never have been in this position anyway. They True. shouldn't, they should have put this game away a long time ago. It's really easy to talk about this call as being the thing that lost them the game. But it absolutely this game should have been over right then and there. Yeah. It should have been a no call or it should have been an offensive pass interference and they should have... Either they one would've... ends the game. Right. Yeah. So uh, it, they have to understand that a, a bad call here really can influence the future of like a human, yeah. you know? And I don't know. Yeah, and that's, it, that's the Mizzou fan in me wanting so badly that this call... Right. Wanting to, you know, I wanted it to go the other way so badly. And that that's when... I mean, that's something that like with calls and the referees and something that's just always something that you can look at as making a huge difference in a game. Right. And it's just really disappointing sometimes. I mean, when you look at overall college football in general and you look at replay systems and I don't know, just all the efforts that they actually do put into getting calls right, it's 
one the thing about sports that just is so frustrating is just that stuff just happens and it's just incorrect mm-hmm. and you just have to live with it so let, exactly so let's think about i know this is like getting way off of this game thread here <laughs> but like let's think about some of the like massive like officiating blunders we've seen just this year i mean first of all the thing that sticked out to me is in the georgia game when the georgia receiver dropped, dropped the, the ball, ball. Yeah. for the end zone we, we looking back on that probably should have not been a touchdown and potentially is six the other way exactly and there was the one play where i'm pretty sure tucker mccann made a field goal in the yeah. south carolina game and they just said it was missed it was you know? really close but it sure looked like he made it right and pretty much the only th- thing that i can think of that has gone our way and surprisingly is the is the call in the purdue game when uh jared sparks like yes uh I guess dropped the touchdown right. catch, and I really think they made the right call. Yeah, and it like I, saved us. But I absolutely did not expect them to make the right, right call. That's the only time all year that in one of those big moments has gone our way, um, and and we won that game. Yeah. And every other time that it hasn't gone these big calls, we lose. Yeah. So it absolutely can make a massive difference in the outcome of these games. And it's something that you can look at that's concrete, and it says this is wrong, and it should have been this way. Mm-hmm. Getting a first down sometime in the second half is kind of in the abstract because you don't know what comes of it um but if that's called offensive pass interference or there's a no call then the game's over Mm -hmm. but as we know the game was not over kentucky had the one untimed down and they got a touchdown pass looked really easy there was a push off but some people are saying that's legal within five yards of the line (laughs) of scrimmage i don't really care i didn't look into the rule but yeah uh it may be legal. I don't it, really know. Yeah, and I probably shouldn't even say this since I don't really know much say about it. it. Yeah, I'll just, it. I'll just start talking. Um, <laughs> I saw one thing on Twitter about this, like maybe like later that night after the game, or maybe it was the next day. But and I'm sorry, I don't, I can't even cite the Twitter account I saw this from, so I apologize. But I saw somebody mention that the back official actually threw his flag and then proceeded to pick it up. So is that maybe he thought it was a push off and then realized that it might have been within five yards of the line of scrimmage? I saw that as well, but also um, I think there was a penalty against a Missouri player at at basically as the play was ending. A Missouri player took their helmet off oh, on okay. the field and got called for okay. whatever that penalty is when you take your helmet off. So um, it could have been that. So I'm not exactly sure, but I did see that as well. Okay. But yeah, did they make them kick the extra point? I don't think so. Uh, I, when I was just watching had, this, I was like, nine points. Like, obviously, so. that's yeah. I don't know. Probably not going to matter. But I'm just yeah. curious. I don't know how that works exactly. They, with an untimed down, if yeah. it's just <clears throat> since it's it was like the end of the game. Can they just decline? Like we don't want to kick it. But I think it's because it was an untimed down. Yeah, like, you're really right. Well, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't either. I know in the NFL they have to. Um, kick the extra point if it yeah if it's gonna matter you want to be our research team and get you on that see if you, you can, can find, find that answer for us what that is yeah right. so but, uh yeah go ahead missouri is now four and four they're own four in sec and they are alone in last place in the sec east yeah uh i i have to admit that this is probably the most disappointed after a game i have ever been in my entire life <laughs> and that goes for any sport of any team. I do you was, remember the Chiefs last year? Yeah, I do remember the Chiefs <laughs> last year. But I have to say I'm probably a bigger Mizzou fan than Chiefs, but still the Chiefs have hurt me many times over the years as well. 
But uh, no, this this was just like like we've we've had some some crazy moments this year where it's just like so like weird and unexplainable and really bizarre. But this was just like another level of disappointment where I was just like utterly speechless like when this game ended where i was just like i this is officially like i might believe that we are cursed we are cursed (laughs) fan base like i would i would accept an argument uh in favor of that we are cursed because we can it just never ends these weird like does this happen to other people surely but i it seems like it's only us well you know clemson always clemsoned before they won the national championship true but at least they were there that's true um so i thought it was kind of funny but not funny seeing some former mizzou fans tweeting or mizzou players sorry tweeting and uh their disappointment but i think it was maybe lucas vincent that said like unbelievable yet all believable yeah. all too believable i think at i the saw russell time. hands bro like say he was gonna like jump off a building or something like <laughs> yeah. like it was just like i've you said don't see responses like that from any just no any loss no and yeah so this was clearly on another level and it was just like the cherry on top of just the weirdest like season so far of just so many weird moments and just like of course like this happens in a game that was like was so big and we had such a great matchup and really gotten our hopes up for it and it played well all game and really felt like we were the better team and so I, it just well allow me to attempt to make you feel better was that the north end zone by the way that they scored their final touchdown in that was... Oh, wait, isn't that the South... Which one is, like, cursed? Is it the oh, South wow, end we're zone? we're such bad Mizzou fans. I shouldn't have said that into this microphone. Can you edit that out? <laughs> we're too young. We I shouldn't have said that. Um, can, can you get on that research team? <laughs> <laughs> I did find the other thing. Okay, what is it? This is from the Oklahoman. From oh, a I don't know Texas if we can trust this. Game. Okay. If, if a touchdown is scored as time expires, the period can be extended for a try, except if it happens in the fourth period... And the points would not affect the outcome of the game. Huh. What's the So apparently you can't like You can't return now. Return. Yeah, yeah. Which Yeah, I, I guess. think that's yeah. only recently an NFL rule too. So okay. I don't know. Hmm. There you so go. it didn't matter. Nope. Um Yeah. <laughs> Where were we before that? This I mean yeah, the way the the, other, the players, the former players were reacting and everything is just like unbelievable. But yeah, I'm going to try to make you feel better. Okay, let's hear it. So Missouri has lost to Kentucky, Alabama, Georgia, and South Carolina. Three of those teams have a legitimate shot at making the college football playoff. Three of those four losses are top 10 teams in the college football playoff rankings. Missouri still has to play Florida this week, so... It might get a little darker before it gets brighter, but Missouri's had a heck of a schedule so far. They should have beat South Carolina, and I think let's just say that they they did beat South Carolina. We're looking at three losses against top 10 college football teams in the nation at this point with Vanderbilt, Tennessee, and Arkansas still on the schedule. That's much more palatable. Of course, they didn't beat South Carolina. They are last in the SEC East. But they've played every good team. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And if you look at, you know, I was looking at the, just the SEC standings and points for and points against, and the the three teams that they play to close out the season are not very good. No. Um, so, so now Mizzou's got to get it together and realize, well, we still have 
you know, maybe something to play for. We still have, we still have a, yeah. a chance to win eight or nine games if we win out. I mean, assume, take Florida off the table, chalk that up as a loss. Win their last three games, they're at seven wins. Win a bowl game, they're at eight, which is an improvement over last year. And everything's okay at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if much of the fan base would agree with you on that one, but I do appreciate your positivity, and I will agree that Missouri has had an absolute gauntlet of a, of a schedule this year. And if you just maybe sprinkle in, if you take those three games that we're going to close out the season with, put one of them after the Georgia game, put one of them after the yeah. Alabama game, and then close out the season with one, yeah. The record looks better the entire time. They're probably never last by themselves in the SEC East standings. So part of it is just kind of how the schedule has fallen. Yeah. And I do think they still have a legitimate shot at Florida this weekend. I do think they do. I, I agree with you. And I, I think that Mizzou is better right now than they have been probably in a long time. Uh, I think they're probably better than they have been since 2014. 2015, offense was trash. 2016 their defense was trash and so yeah. and same as probably 2017 as well yeah so they're they're making some pretty weird bad mistakes right now that are costing them games just but they are one or two plays away from from some of these really nice wins yeah so and, i and being in a legitimately really close game down to the wire against georgia if a few things bounce their way so right. i'm trying to just get some positivity going because right. <laughs> we still have to talk about Florida. There's yeah. a decent chance they're going to lose and be 0-5 in conference. So but there's, the, there's a light say, on the horizon. Uh, there is, but it's safe to say that this Kentucky game will probably stick with me for the rest of my life. <laughs> like as a game that I will always yep. like look Put it on the back list. on. Yep. Well, let's talk a little bit about Florida then. Uh, they are 6-2, and 4-2 and in the SEC they had uh, losses against um, Kentucky and Georgia. They beat Mississippi State on the road and then had a really big win at home against LSU. Um, one thing I noticed when kind of looking over their stats and their season so far is they are really, really similar to Kentucky. But stick with me here. They are worse at the things that Kentucky is good at, but better at the things Kentucky is bad at. So... You're gonna. They're not as prolific a run offense as Kentucky, but they're a slightly better passing offense. They're not as dominant of a defense, but their offense is a little bit better. So they're scoring points against bad teams in the SEC, which we haven't exactly seen Kentucky do. They are gonna ground grind out a victory, you know, less than 30 points every time. But Florida is gonna put up 30 something in a win. They just did that recently in a win against Vanderbilt. So. I think it's still, we talked about it time and time again, that it's a decent matchup for Missouri because their pass, Florida's passing game isn't anything to be scared of. So it's going to come down to just execution, I think. I mean, yeah. it's, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's potential for another heartbreaker if Missouri is up ever. I think, I think they'll keep it close because... Florida's offense can't really put anybody away. Yeah, and honestly, at this point, <clears throat> I don't want to have a, like a defeatist attitude, but Florida is a is a good team. They and we're playing them at home. Uh, they've, like you mentioned, have some have had some really nice wins this year. I know you've been high on them even before the year. Uh, so I, at this point, I think that even if Missouri is competitive in this game and shows some fight, I will cr I will credit them because 
they came back from the dead to like come back True. and just play this game. I didn't even think about like the after effects like, of such a I devastating loss. I don't know how you rebound from like that. Like, I, I just, I literally don't know how you come back from the worst loss probably all of those guys have ever experienced. Yeah. So th- this is maybe where Barry Odom has got to get his team together. And if they can come out and fight, if they can get a win in this game... It saves Barry Odom's job, I'm pretty sure. And yeah. If they can close out the the season uh, decently well, I think Barry Odom can single handedly save his job in this game if they if they win. Uh, if they don't win, I don't know, but I, it would be great to see them at least come out and fight and and show some resiliency. I think they they've kind of shown Missouri's kind of shown that their their floor is sort of just being lulled into playing the other team's style of game. And I think Florida kind of does the same thing. They will kind of slug it out with the team, but also try to outscore them um, if it's kind of a shootout. So I think we may see some points be scored um, because Florida has, they always have incredible athletes all over the field. And even when those athletes don't necessarily click into an amazing team, they still put up numbers. So, I mean, Florida's given up 22 points per game in the SEC this season. That's 10 points worse than Kentucky was given up. So That's crazy. 12 points a game. Yeah. Like, Kentucky's defense is ridiculous. Yeah, so Missouri actually put up more than the average. On, and it uh, felt – and they <laughs> didn't get a first down for an entire half. Yeah. Um, but Florida's also scoring 26 points per game, and Kentucky is a bit lower than that at 20. So, um I don't know. I, I think I'm ready to give my prediction. I think Florida will win, but I think it'll be close. My prediction is 27 to 24 Florida. But I think there's a path to a victory for Missouri. It's right there. I mean, it's been there all year. Just play your game and execute, and Drew Locke needs to have a better game. I mean, he we didn't even talk about his stats specifically, but he was pretty terrible. Um, that second half really tanked his stat line. Against Kentucky, he was 15 of 27 for just 165 yards. So he doesn't necessarily have to be great, right, to for us to win this game. Um, I also agree that Florida is going to win this game. Um, if Emmanuel Hall is playing, um, that I think that give a, if he's healthy and is effective, I think we legitimately have a shot to pull this off. Um, if he's not, I just I don't think that we're going to win this game, but. Uh, I think that Mizzou is going to be competitive for three quarters, and I think Florida pulls away at the end. So I and I, but I also think that that Mizzou's uh, offense may continue to struggle against. You know, we've seen it a million times that that Mizzou's offense struggles against uh, good defenses. So uh, I'm going to say Florida 28, Mizzou 13. Yeah, that's a perfectly reasonable prediction because I don't know why we would expect, literally. This is the last chance, barring uh, a decent matchup in a bowl game, for Drew Locke to have a big win. Mm -hmm. Why we would expect it to come against Florida on the road, I mean, I don't know why anybody would just expect that to be the case. I was right there with anybody expecting Missouri to beat Kentucky. That made perfect sense. Right. But I just, we've seen it so many times that. They will compete with these teams, but just not pull it off. So, yep. And you're exactly right. I, and I thought about this a few days ago that this truly is – I mean, Drew Locke has been here four years. 
He's broken all these crazy records. He's probably going to be a first-round, potentially a top-10 pick in the NFL draft. But he doesn't have a win over a ranked team in four years of yeah. being a starting quarterback. Uh, you know, it's this is truly his last opportunity to do that. Yeah. And to and at this point, I'm not sure that he can what kind of legacy he can leave at Mizzou, um, but he can maybe sweeten the deal just a little bit with a with a big win here. Yeah, I think regardless of this game, it's going to be a sort of a what if legacy because yeah, there's not even but there's not even one thing to point to that what if this. I mean, it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. What if Missouri was better what, while he what was if, here? I mean, it's it's interesting, though. I mean, what what if Mizzou had a better coaching staff? He's surrounded by Barry Odom, who certainly is questionable right now. He's, his quarterback coach is like Derek Dooley, who's never coached quarterbacks. He's never been an OC before. Yeah. Uh, I think I think if you had to do a what if, it would be what if— what if Drew Locke is the quarterback of the Missouri Tigers six years ago? Right. <laughs> what if he doesn't have to go through a coaching change? Right. And, what know, if he's got maybe some better receivers around him? And because right now, sometimes I I think it's like our receivers don't help him out at all. And yeah. Jonathan Johnson's been a you know has dropped some balls that have maybe contributed to a couple of losses. So it it definitely you're exactly right that this will kind of be the the what if game for drew Locke's entire career you know he's just so talented uh could go on to have a great nfl career what you know just what could have happened if he had maybe a little bit better surroundings when he was at mizzou and i mean maybe he'll prove us wrong and they'll go out and stomp florida on the road i mean missouri's beaten florida in gainesville before it just this team different players different coaches it seems like a long (laughs) time ago that that happened um but i can still picture the highlights on youtube so absolutely no Marcus uh, Murphy anymore. Yeah. So, yep. Uh, we're both predicting losses for Missouri here, but um, I think it's safe to say we'll be predicting wins the rest of the way after this, so uh, we can look forward to that. And um, we'll just move on to picking some more games. We're going to pick the SEC slate plus Nebraska. Last week, uh, Kyle, you actually gained a point on me. Wow. Um, you picked Vanderbilt over Arkansas. I was wow. going for that, like little, like like that small line upset because yeah, you did the minus two, but and then we both missed Mississippi State's win over Texas A and M, so it's now Kyle twenty six, Cameron thirty four, and the first game we're gonna pick is gonna be a close one. It is Nebraska at Ohio State. Ohio State is a seventeen and a half point favorite at home. Uh. Man, Nebraska, they're, they've got some serious momentum. Uh, <laughs> Don't la- patronize me. <laughs> last, week, last week they got a big win. Man, they smacked Bethune-Cookman. They <laughs> clapped them. Uh, Ohio State is going to be a little bit different animal, unfortunately. And I think, I think Ohio State just squeaks this one out. I don't want to pick Ohio State. I hate Ohio State. Why would, why, Cameron, why are you making me pick Ohio State? I'm gonna pick Ohio State. I'm gonna pick Ohio State. I have to. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're not even the lesser of two evils. Like if it was a close game, if it was like a close line, I would pick Nebraska because I hate Ohio State. But <laughs> all right, first SEC matchup: Texas A&M is on the road. They're at Auburn. Auburn is a four-point favorite at home. I'm gonna pick an upset here. I'm gonna. I, I got to start picking some upsets. I gotta go crazy if I'm gonna if I'm gonna catch up to you here. So I'm gonna have to pick A&M here, even though they're a four point underdog. I'll give you a chance at a nice point swing there because I'll pick Auburn. 
Have you seen, uh, well, everybody uh, on the Mizzou internet seems to be convinced that Gus Malzahn is, is out at Auburn this year. Really? Uh, and everybody wants him to co- be the coach at Mizzou next year. So his buyout is like $32 million oh or something. But what's crazy is that, I mean, is like actually something that Auburn could probably come up with really easily if they wanted to fund some like fire Gus Malzahn campaign. But because uh, Auburn fans are insane. Yeah. But. I can't. They went to the SEC championship game last year. They're gonna fire Gus Malzahn. I don't know if that's actually gonna happen or not. They fired uh, the previous coach like a year removed from a national championship appearance. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, uh, so I think this is the downfall of Gus Malzahn and A and M's wow. taking him over. Ooh, big prediction there. <laughs> uh, next up, South Carolina at Ole Miss. There's it's even? just an even. Weird. Pick them game, so no no upset possibility for you there. Okay, I'm going to pick South Carolina. I'm not going to pick South Carolina. I'm going to pick Ole Miss at home. Ole Miss. Mississippi. I got to stick with my being down on South Carolina. Thing. <laughs> yeah, I got to stay on brand. I get yep. that. Uh, next up, here's an opportunity There's for you. There's some big games this week, this yeah. weekend. There's a lot of big games. Georgia is a nine-point favorite on the road at Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky, for those of you who don't know, coming off a big win at Mizzou. Hadn't heard. Go ahead and pick <laughs> this one. Uh, give me Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, there's no way Kentucky wins this game, but I still might pick them just to get lucky if I can pull an upset on this. There, there's no way <laughs> Kentucky wins this. I'll, I'll take Kentucky. Give me Kentucky. Oh, my goodness. Going big. Going big or going home, and I'm probably going home. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this could be like... this could be like, You're going to be up <laughs> right back in the game. You're going to be up 30 on me after this week. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Last one. The biggest game of the week in all of college football, I think. Alabama at LSU. And shockingly, legitimately shocking, Alabama is a 15-point favorite on the road. Isn't LSU like third or fourth in the country? Yeah. Like in the college football they're playoff, ranked they're like third. third. Yeah. And Alabama is a 15-point favorite on the road. Yeah. Yeah, I got to pick Alabama here. Okay, I'm going to pick LSU. Ooh. Nice. All right, so there could be a real big mix-up. We're either going to be tied or I'm going to be down by, like, 50 <laughs> after this week. I think we picked differently on, like, almost every game. Uh, we both picked Ohio State to beat, to beat Nebraska. And that's it. Shockingly. Yeah, you could get two points, maybe, if you pick Nebraska. Last chance. Yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot do that. Sorry, Cam. Sorry, producer Cam. That's okay. All right. Well, uh, anything else for the folks? Um, I guess I just, I don't know. It's just, it's so interesting that after how dejected I was after that Kentucky game, like, like I felt like as close to death, like I'm being like, I don't want to be like dramatic here, but, uh, I'll be dramatic. The last Saturday was awful. Like it literally like ruined my night and Mm -hmm. like maybe like the next day, like I was just like in a terrible mood because that was just such a wasted opportunity and just so sad to watch but here i am uh just like a mere few days later and i'm already like pumped for the next game you know like i just it's fandom is just a ridiculous uh and horrible thing makes me wonder why we do it sometimes i really wonder why i do it because i'm all excited about this game and i just 
any opportunity to watch Mizzou play football. It's just I'm, I always am all about it, but I get my heart broken all the time, but still fun somehow. So yep. here we are. I agree. I echo those sentiments exactly. So uh, that's all for this week. Um, we are actually going to stick around and record a basketball special uh, preview episode. So that'll be coming out on Monday, right before the first basketball game of the season. So um, if you're looking for some basketball news, we're going to break down the roster, uh, take a look at the schedule, see what we think. Um, but we will see you next week um, as well to talk about this Florida game and then look forward to what are hopefully three wins to close out the season. Uh, we let them know where they can find us? Oh, sure can. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Spotify. You can tweet at us at Missouri Sports. Okay, mess that up. <laughs> like the easiest thing i have to say i just have to literally read this right <laughs> off the page i still mess it up like every week why don't you tell them where they can find us you can find this <laughs> <laughs> just send them out all right you can find this podcast on itunes <laughs> send them out say <laughs> Who, who are you sending? And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Kyle messed it up too many times. We will see you next week. iTunes, Google Play Music, and Spotify. You can tweet us at Mizzou Sports 1 and email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter. <laughs> what was that little like? I already said it all. It's over. Stop the tape. We're done.